0: Welcome to another edition of Amazing Individuals. On today's episode, I am going to be interviewing Margaret Kaya, who just happens to be my mother. Okay, when did you first notice something was different with Lisa?
1: Well, it's hard to pin down. I was thinking about this um, before we started, and um, maybe when, you know, when you stop talking, except to myself and, and to grandpa, um, that but I didn't know if it was related to, you know, the difficulty of the divorce and, you know, the tension and the stress that surrounded that, that I tried to shield you from it. But it was no matter what was going on, you could say you could sense that something was not good that was happening and um, so I, I wondered then but I wasn't sure but then when you got to to school you managed with the school work usually okay but it, it just things just didn't seem to connect real well for you and you struggled making friends and you know um, interacting with the other kids and I remember. Every year, starting even in kindergarten, um, Robert—I don't know if you remember him—but he was at your daycare and was your kindergarten teacher. I think teacher. so. He and I talked for a very long time about whether it made sense or not to have you repeat kindergarten. And all of, you know, the years after that, you know, first and second grade—that was a conversation at the end of the year. It was like. You were always what I always called a borderline kid, that everything, every test that you took to try to determine like what was going on with you and things, it was borderline, borderline negative many times. And so my question always was, well, if everything's borderline negative, doesn't that tell you there's something going on? And the doctors would always say, well, probably, but there's not enough here for us to put anything together. And this was, what, 47 years ago, you know, when you were born, and things were so different then, um, that it, it really wasn't, well, as you got older, you know, and, and things became more difficult for you and, and for me to understand what was going on, I, I guess I knew by the time at least you were in second grade that there was something that was different, that there was something that wasn't wired quite the same way with you as it was with other kids, but I couldn't tell you what it was. I didn't know anybody else that had a child like you, you know, I loved you to death. Everybody that knew you did. Um, and, but there was something that was different and we didn't know what
0: it was. So I don't know if that answers your question, but yep, And that an- actually that answers the second question too, I guess. So, um, and then, I guess, to, but to go on to the second question, like describe like as a parent, basically, maybe a little bit more in detail, like what the process was like for me to get diagnosed. Okay,
1: but a lot of it was centered with medical doctors initially, and, and, you know, there were some issues with, you know, with you physically, you know, some incontinence issues and things that we were seeing doctors about and, and other things too. Um, you know, your lack of small motor skills, um, and things like that. And in fact, when we were in Houston, we moved there when you were actually, you would have been going into third grade in Illinois, but I had to repeat second grade there in Texas. And that was, a, I think it was a very good decision, but we went, we had a, went to the doctor and we had a wonderful physician, pediatrician, who was really a sweetheart and, um, he sent us to uh, Texas Children's, I believe it was, down in the downtown Houston. And they did a lot of testing, and, including genetic testing. And we had a number of diagnoses, including one that later Dr. angrily told me it was no way it was possible. But, you know, that's a whole other subject, is how doctors treat you. Um, but of spina bifida occulta. Um, and genetic testing, that was mainly where a lot of those borderline negatives came into play that now I think if you had some more genetic testing done, I, it's so much more sophisticated. I mean, it was just in, in its infancy, um, back when we had it done back in what that would have been the early eighties. Um, it was you know, just very different than it is now. But they couldn't really tell me anything. And nobody knew what I needed to do to help you. Nobody could give me any advice. Um, And so it was really frustrating. And then when we were in Oak Park, you came back from living with your dad. And it was such a horrible time. I mean, you were obviously very emotionally disturbed that's well that word sounds terrible but very emotionally wrought I mean very it was a very difficult time for you and for me because I I didn't know what to do to help you and we ended up seeing a psychiatrist and she referred us then to a neuro oh what is that A, a neuropsychologist yeah I think yeah, who did testing with you, and Rizal, you remember, took you and things, and that was when we had a label, and, you know, people say you don't want kids to have labels, but it was such a comfort to me that there was, there was a word for it, that there was like a, a a way to describe it, and there was, there were things out there that, you could read and talk about and say, yeah, my God, that fits her. And oh, I need to be doing this differently or I need to be doing that differently. And, and so it was, it was a relief to me. It was still very minimal information. I don't mean to say that they could tell me, you know, I could do this then this would all be, be better because it was very minimal still. But there was a word for it. It was a nonverbal learning disability. And now, if you were to Google that, what comes up is more, uh, it's kind of a synonym synonym somewhat for uh, Asperger's, which is, I think, a term that's not used as much anymore. But No,
0: it's uh, uh, high-functioning autism. High-functioning
1: autism, right. And, but that was years later before, you know, all of those things became more apparent. And you were really an adult, I think, before... We really were able to, to understand that you were on the autism spectrum. Um, I, if you, I always say, if you had been born 50 years later, I think your life would have been a very different situation. Mine would have been because I would have known more of, of how to be a better mother for you. And that's, there's a lot of guilt that I carry because I didn't know what to do to make your life better. Um, and my mind worked so differently than what yours did. And, and I couldn't understand why you'd get upset about something when it just seemed so normal or natural for me. It just was like, oh. <laughs> it was a really frustrating time for everybody because I didn't want life to be like that right. for, for you. So yeah.
0: anyway. And then what kind of supports did you make sure that I had uh, to succeed in life?
1: When you were younger, I have no clue because I had no clue what you needed other than to be loved. And, you know, I I hope I did that. I hope you knew you were loved.
0: Oh, you did. And I think, like you said, I think back then, I think there was really... mm, it was like in its infancy, like you said, and I think back then, you know, there wasn't as much support as there are today. Oh, there you were know? none. And you <laughs> none. know, I think, you know, between you and and uh, between you and Grandpa, and you know, you guys were the pushing force to make me make sure that I was in with you know other people that you know, you know, and that I wasn't treated differently or or seemed to be treated differently. So well. I hope so. It was, no, that's what, I'm just telling you, that's what it felt for okay. like me, so. Well, good. I'm yeah. glad. I'm glad it did,
1: So that right. that was, was part of yeah. what you felt as as a kid. That
0: Oh, no, no, no. The only time I felt like and, that was when I was with somebody else, so. Yeah. Yeah, so, but.
1: Well, um, and then later as ahead. an adult, let me talk a little bit yeah. about that, Had I, yeah. the supports that you needed? That was also an interesting time period and and my my inclinations were to be very protective overly protective and indulgent (laughs) actually and that we were very lucky that we had um your stepfather Mm -hmm. or your father dad as you call him now um rightly so in our our lives because he as much as i fought it because it just I felt sometimes like I, you know, to do what I needed to do was to kind of push you away and and abandon you, and, and I hoped you didn't feel like I didn't love you, but it was more to push you to to become more independent, to make better decisions, to learn how to to function aside from me, you know, away from me, right. because when we're together, as you were growing up, I always called you my Velcro baby. That you were never more than an inch from my side if we were out and about among people. You know, especially even, or not especially, but even with family, it was, you were glued to me and you weren't going to ever be able to be in a functioning adult unless you could be separate and be your own person, Mm -hmm. you know? And Rasa was a huge piece of helping me learn how to do that and
0: helping you you become. Yeah, dad was very instrumental in, you know, even helping me learn how to, you know, deal with that as well. So, yeah, yeah, good, good. Yeah. So uh, one of the questions I wanted to ask though was as a parent of a woman with ID, was there more challenging times than ever, like during puberty or things like that?
1: I think it was more later um, high school and you know puberty had its own challenges, but a lot of times teenage years are, are for other kids were more rebellious years, and that came later for you more in your twenties where you were a little bit more rebellious and things, so um, puberty wasn't so tough. I think it was more you know after high school when more of the bipolar and mental health issues which you know as you said not too long ago maybe were more you know connected to post traumatic stress than than anything but whatever it was where you were self harming and you know in and out of the hospital right. or trying to find the right meds and and things to help you have your life be better, I think that was probably the most challenging okay. time of your, of your life for me. And mm-hmm. I think for you as well.
0: Oh, yes, most definitely. Yeah. yeah. So was there ever a time that you were told by a doctor or a therapist that I would not be able to accomplish that much?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. The most blatant, I think, was... Um, Wasn't that in Houston? it was in Houston and it was a psychologist that you loved. He just, and he was really good with you. Jamie was Mm -hmm. his name. And I remember we would go, I'd get off work, I'd pick you up. You kind of helped me find the way, you know, we went all the back streets of Houston because the traffic was so bad that we stayed off the highway and kind of learned how to navigate the, you know, from out, we lived on the west side of downtown, all the way down near Rice University. You know, people that know Houston will know, you know, it's kind of like going from, you know, Naperville uh, to, you know, where you were in the hospital for a while, way up in, in you know, on the north side of Chicago along Lake Shore Drive. It was kind of like navigating all that during rush hour. Anyway, um, we would go and... And he was wonderful, and but one day he said to me that you'd never finish high school, you know, that I shouldn't expect that that was gonna happen. And it was like, whoa, <laughs> you know, it was, I don't know, it was, it was like a, you know, a punch in the stomach. Um, but I don't think I ever let it sink in and become a defining piece of who you were that, you know, just because somebody says that doesn't mean it has to be true Mm -hmm. that, you know, you make your own choices. I hopefully can help you make different choices and become, you know, a little different than, than what they said it
0: was going to be. So sometimes you tell me that I speak in code. Could you kind of describe what that means? Um,
1: (laughs) you do it much less, but, for years i think you became very afraid or nervous about expressing your opinion and so when i would ask you one thing or another what would you prefer to do or you know you would tell me things in a way that i ended up having to figure out and had to interpret like you you know i'd say well would you rather go to you know, Cheesecake Factory or Steak and Shake. And, you know, not that they're equivalent, but, and you would say, well, that'd be fine. But you wouldn't tell me which one you'd rather do. So I'd take, do one at a time. And both of them, you'd say, well, that'd be fine. And I'd have to kind of look at your nonverbals to help me figure out what you were really telling me. Um, I was trying to think of other examples, and I'm not sure I can come up with them, but you know, you you didn't, many times didn't answer a question with how you really felt about something or what your opinion was. You'd really go into it in a roundabout in an indirect way. Does that sound like what was going on to you? Yeah, that that makes sense. Can you give an example
0: of when you were talking in code? Not really. (laughs) That's why whenever you tell me, it's like I don't see it. But that's because I, to me, it's just regular talk to me you know that's just and because kirk says i do it sometimes too so he notices it
1: it's where you say something but you're not quite sure that you can't you don't know for sure who
0: you know what it is that you're wanting to convey so um how hard was it to let lisa move to evanston
1: oh very hard Initially, it wasn't bad because you were in pace. That part wasn't that hard, though I did cry on the way home um, about leaving you there because you weren't thrilled about being there initially. Uh, But I knew it's where you needed to be. I I just knew it's where you were going to find life. Mm -hmm. And at that point in your life, you were lost. And, you know you had so few connections outside of, you know, the family and, and things. And, you know, I couldn't be your friend and your mom. I needed to be different. I, you know, I needed to be your mom and really push. So that part wasn't hard. It was harder when you were living in the apartment, Mm -hmm. you know, after pace that, that was harder. And, you know, yet I knew you needed to be there and coming home would be a huge step backward for you. Um, huge step that raza was so helpful at that point i mean he was the one that knew too that if you were ever going to be an independent woman we had to do this right it was you had to be further away than just around the corner living in an apartment here in in sylvania you Mm -hmm. had to be further away where you couldn't just come home whenever you wanted right Right. so anyway
0: So how did you feel when I told you that I was meeting somebody then when and, uh, when we decided to get married?
1: Well, I was tickled that you'd met somebody and, and really enjoyed getting to know Kurt. And, and I could tell this was different. I mean, he he was solid. He was kind. You could tell he really was good to you, you know, and was really into you. You know, wanted to have that relationship and cared about your feelings and that it was mutual. Um, and then when you told me you wanted to get married, um, the only concern that I had that led to, you know, like the commitment ceremony was that we didn't want anything to negatively impact, you know, the benefits you received. And as we've, we've learned, you know, it probably wouldn't. And at some point, you know, real wedding would be fine with us Mm -hmm. but we felt pretty comfortable at that point in your life that you'd found somebody that you you two did a an extremely good job and were very mature I thought in how you approached a relationship you you weren't you weren't a little kid anymore you had grown up you had finally you know you were in your 30s and it took till you were in your 30s to get there but you were finally at a place where you could put another person uh, in your life and care about their well-being as much as you cared about your own. And that it was obvious he was there too, you know, that it was true. It, It was obvious, I guess, to anybody that knew you that you really loved each other. And that was, it was a comfort to me, to be honest. It didn't upset me at all. And I felt it was just a good thing. It was a, what a woman, you know, a mother always dreams of for her, her daughter that she finds a good man that will love her and give her a good life. And I feel like Kurt does that. I
0: don't think if there was any advice to parents out there with people with ID, um, what would you give them? Oh, golly. Um,
1: Things are again, so different now, but yet I'm sure the emotions are, much the same I for me personally I found it was so helpful when I finally met other parents that had a child like mine and where we could talk about you know how how we dealt with things and compare notes and to know you're not alone in the world you know that I I really felt so alone most of the years that you grew up until we came here to Sylvania. And we, I met Flo and Chris, um, parents of uh, two kids that had, you know, very different, but similar kinds of issues. And I knew I had people that I could talk to that understood what I was saying for the first time in my life. And you were in junior high at that point. So it been a lot of years where I felt like Nobody else in the world was dealing with the kind of situation that I had as a parent. So to seek out other people that have been down the road and, and to know you're not alone, you're not existing in a bubble, you don't have the strange kid that nobody else has ever seen one like. It, it, it's just not true. They're out there and you got to find them. And you've got to try to seek out help from experts that know what's going on and don't stop until you find them and that these days there's there's more help out there than there ever was and i'm very grateful f- for that
0: well thank you so much for coming on my show today i was really i really did appreciate it um and then i look forward to having you come on the 16th
1: oh me too and
0: thank you for having me it was a, mm-hmm.
1: it was a good conversation uh, Maybe one we should have had even outside of this this kind of format. So thank you. I appreciate mm-hmm. it. And I really admire all that you're doing. And I, I'm so proud of you. It makes me cry.
0: So anyway, thank you, sweetie. Thank you, Mom. Hold on, for a second.